Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. You just trust. Believe. <laughs> This happened five years ago. I was working as cleaning staff at an old mall for school requirement. The mall had been expanded over the years. There are some parts of the old mall that are no longer in use, such as the cinema complex. Since the newer building had better equipment and generally more people visiting it, the community decided to use the old cinema as a place where they hold the Sunday Mass. This is a common thing in our country as we are predominantly Roman Catholic. While working there, since we were only student assistants, we were not allowed to go to the main mall. We were tasked to clean the old mall and were partnered up with more senior cleaning staff. That day, we were tasked to clean the old cinema in preparation for the Sunday Mass. The cinema had four theater rooms in total, and there were about eight people on our team. At first, we cleaned the lobby together before deciding to split into smaller teams so that we could get the job done faster. I was partnered with my classmate Kyla and two senior staff members, Mandy and Pat. We were going to clean the first two rooms while the other four people cleaned the remaining two. On the way to the first room, Mandy warned us that we needed to be really talkative and loud while cleaning. This was odd given that I would have expected them to tell us to keep quiet. I asked her why and Pat chimed in agreement with Mandy, saying that doing so wards any spirits from them. This logic did not make sense to me. Personally, I believe in ghosts and have delved quite a bit into the supernatural. The usual warning that people give to those who ghost hunt is to not disturb the spirits to keep quiet and respect their surroundings. So Pat and Mandy's advice did not make sense to me, nor to Kyla. We went inside the cinema and Pat turned on the lights. It looked really old. You could tell that the seats were worn out and some of the lights were already busted. What added to the creepy vibe in this cinema are the statues of saints and other church stuff in front. I don't know why, but... It almost felt like their gazes were following us as we cleaned the area. Pat and Mandy told us to stick together and to just clean the aisle. We grabbed our brooms and started sweeping. Mandy started talking loudly, telling us about how her commute to the mall was such a hassle and how bad the traffic was that day. Pat, on the other hand, started humming to an upbeat song. Soon, Kyla started to sing along as well. I was still very iffy about making loud noises around an almost abandoned, barely used cinema with statues of saints staring at us across the room. I chose to keep quiet and started sweeping through the rows of seats away from Kyla. Mandy was probably a few meters away from me, 
and she ran when she saw me alone in the middle of the seating area and told me to stay in the aisle. I looked at her, confused, and she told me to just trust her. She also noticed that I'm quiet, so she reminded me to be very noisy. I tried singing along with Pat and Kyla as I continued sweeping. I got so caught up with the sweeping that I didn't realize I was too far from the rest of the group. They were all the way down in front, near the stage where the statues were, while I was on the other end of the cinema, near the entrance. I was still singing with them, although quietly. That's when I heard a child giggle. It was faint, but very distinct. I don't know why, but I brushed it off as a kid playing outside in the lobby and continued to sweep. Mandy saw me alone again and decided to stick with me. We finished the first floor of the cinema and moved up to the balcony. We turned on the lights again, but this time it was significantly more dim. Same routine. You girls stick to the aisles, okay? Mandy said, specifically looking at me. I obliged this time around, keeping in mind to just keep sweeping the aisle, even though it meant that we ended up cleaning the same area over and over again while waiting for Pat and Mandy to finish cleaning the chairs. I walked to the front area of the balcony to see the bottom floor, and that's when I felt something tug on my side. There was some force to it, but it wasn't too strong to pull me back. Just enough for me to feel it and stop me from walking. I thought maybe one of the loops for my belt got caught on one of the chairs, but that wasn't the case. I felt the force come from lower than my waist, so it didn't make sense. I continued walking when Kyla called me to ask if I had her school ID. I walked back to my group to check with everyone else, and it turned out her ID was missing. Pat stared at Kyla, and her face changed from a concerned smile to a horrified look. Shit, she exclaimed. I looked at them weirdly and said, We're done cleaning anyway, we should leave. Kyla and I looked at them, confused. They half-dragged the two of us out of the cinema and into the lobby. Kyla asked about her ID and Pat shook her head, giggling. Mandy explained to us that there are three ghosts in that cinema. A boy who is usually with his mother, and the third ghost is a man. The mom and child were harmless. They'd usually just roam around and people in the cinemas would hear occasional giggles and running steps, probably from the boy. The man, on the other hand, could get violent. Mandy said the man hates seeing other men cleaning certain rooms in the cinema, which is why the boys in our group were sent to clean separately from us. They told us that there was a male staff member who almost fell from the balcony while he was cleaning. He told them that he felt someone push him as he was trying to look at the bottom floor, but it was almost like someone pulled him back as well. Since then, only female staff were sent to clean that room. Kyla and I were really scared at this point, but since we were all girls, it still didn't make sense why they would drag us out of the cinema. Mandy then pointed at Kyla's hair. She had a pixie cut. Kyla was tall, athletic, and her hair in her ID photo was even shorter. 
He probably thought you were a boy and took your ID, Pat explained. I'm guessing he expected that you would come to look for it on your own. Mandy also started giggling. We completely forgot that you do kind of look like a boy. Kyla looked really pale at this point, but Mandy reassured her that they would look for it on their own and went back to the cinema while they made a sweep through the lobby. Pat eventually came back with Kyla's ID and said she found it near the edge of the balcony, which was weird since she didn't go anywhere near that area. When our shift ended, we gathered inside the locker room with the other group, and I decided to ask them about the kid who was playing outside the lobby for a while. The senior staff looked at me, and Mandy asked if I had seen the kid. I explained that I heard some giggling while inside the movie theater, and that's when it occurred to me. How could I have heard a child giggling from outside? I then remembered their story about the three ghosts and realized it was probably the little boy who I heard giggling, and also the same boy who tugged on my side when I went near the edge of the balcony. Kyla and I remained friends after, and whenever we would hang out, we would always talk about what happened during this program and what would have happened if we went near the balcony edge or if Kyla had gone to look for her school ID alone. I just hope the mom and the child's ghosts are safe from the violent man and that all the other students who got assigned to the same mall are also kept safe. I have two stories which could fit here. One is more believable than the other, but they're both entirely true. I'll give you the more believable one. I'll call it my ex's apartment. For starters, I've always considered myself to be sensitive to the preternatural. I've seen and sensed a few ghosts in my time. I'm also slightly skeptical even though that might seem strange considering what I have just said. I always try to find the logical explanation first, since often there are logical reasons behind what one might assume to be something spooky. That being said, there have been a few times where I either can't think of a logical explanation, or it would be more of a stretch to consider logic over supernatural goings-on. Anyway, many years ago, I had a boyfriend who I'll call John, and the very first night I stayed at his apartment, I got eerie vibes. His bed was in the full opposite corner of the room from his bedroom door, like diagonally across. So when you're lying in bed, you can see the door. He liked to keep the door open for his dogs, but as we were getting into bed that first night, I couldn't stop staring at the open doorway. I asked him if we could please shut the door because I felt like something was staring at me from the hallway. He got very freaked out and proceeded to tell me that this cat who had recently passed away would sit protectively on his chest at night and glare at the door. It was as though she could sense something was there. Now that freaked me out even more and I got up and closed the door since the dogs were already in the room with us. After a month or so, 
he ended up moving from his ground floor apartment to a suite on the second floor of the same building due to some drama with his roommate at the time. He decided that it was best for him to take his dog and live on his own. At the time, since we lived about an hour apart by transit and neither of us drove, I would usually spend several days at his place in a row. I was working shift work at a retail store, and I wasn't getting very many hours there, so I was spending three or four days at a time at John's place since I didn't need to go to work. I still got vaguely eerie vibes from this building, though. But I was also trained in making energy wards, so I was confident that his suite was safe. We would sometimes freak ourselves out, reading or listening to scary stories, but nothing actually scary happened until he brought me to the laundry room. The laundry room in his building was in the basement, on the same level as the underground parking. It was in the middle of the building, so it didn't matter which of the two sets of stairs you would go down in order to get to it, but since his suite was closer to one set than the other, we always took that set. The instant we got to the basement landing, my blood ran cold. Something just wasn't right. I've learned to listen to my instincts, and so I was hyper-aware when we went and took our laundry to the machines. We were alone, at least in human terms. Now, I know basements in and of themselves are often creepy, but this one really didn't look all that bad. And no, we hadn't been scaring ourselves this particular day, so that ruled out any type of tricks that our imagination might be playing on us. I was looking all around us as he loaded up the machines, watching the door. He picked up on this and asked what was wrong. I told him I just didn't feel safe. Normally, he would sit with the machines to make sure that he didn't miss taking them out and putting them in the dryer and whatnot, but I was too freaked out, and I was freaking him out. So we started the washing machines and left, setting a timer on his phone. We got back to the stairs. And as soon as we got to the first landing and rounded the corner, I saw a fucking black, shadowy figure following behind me. It looked a bit like a cross between the character from The Ring and the one from The Grudge, and that it had long black hair covering its face, and what I could see of its body was pale. I was obviously scared. I ran up the rest of the stairs with a very confused John following as fast as he could. That figure kept following us. I threw open the door at the second floor landing and ran back to his apartment door, almost crying in fear. We got inside to safety, and I was finally able to tell him what I had seen. Now, I'm not the type to be frightened by just the sight of a ghost, because I know that not all ghosts are bad. I happen to have one who actually shares my home. He's very chill and he enjoys watching us. So I don't automatically assume that any particular entity wants to hurt me regardless of how they look. This thing, though, this thing gave off massively dangerous vibes. And all I knew was that I didn't want to find out what it wanted. John calmed me down, even though he was freaking out as well. And I was able to say that the creature didn't leave the stairwell. It always stayed just a few steps behind us, and I'm wondering if maybe it was some kind of trickster spirit which just wanted to freak me out. 
so I agreed to go back down with him to switch the laundry over when it was time, trying not to let my earlier fear cloud my judgment of the area. And wouldn't you know it, I got that same exact feeling at that same exact point in the stairwell. When we got back up to his apartment, the black figure was following us again. At this point, I no longer thought it was harmless. I don't know what it wanted, but I pleaded with John to take the other stairs next time, even though it was far less convenient. He trusted my senses, and he agreed. Thankfully, the other stairwell was clear. I still felt uneasy in the basement, but nothing followed us back upstairs afterward. I told him as much, and he relaxed, knowing he would still be safe going downstairs. However, I was not interested in joining him down there anymore, even taking that other stairwell. Thankfully, nothing came of whatever this was, and we're both fine, but it scared the absolute shit out of me. The only other time I've been scared was during my high school years when my friends and I accidentally got one of my friends possessed while goofing around with forces beyond our understanding, but that's a story for another time. The first really scary experience I had was when I was around 11 or 12. I was staying up late watching TV in the living room when all of a sudden I heard heavy paws coming up from the basement. Now, my mom had dogs, but they slept in her room, and that's exactly where they were when this happened. I got up from the couch and walked into the dining room. At the same time, a giant, shadowy, dog like creature reached the top of the steps into the kitchen. When I say this thing was giant, I mean it was at eye level with me, and I was probably close to five feet tall at that time. It looked like smoke, dense but wispy. The eyes were a deep orange red. I couldn't move as it began to growl at me. Then it just dissipated and faded into nothing. I remember telling my mom and her response being along the lines of, you watch too much television. This second occurrence happened when I was 17. My parents put me in the Job Corps program and while I was there I had an experience with something that I can only describe as maybe Slender Man. I still have no idea what it was. Anyway, while you're in this program, you live there. I'm not sure if it's the same at all locations, but at this particular one, you get placed in a dorm, and within that dorm you have the main living room, the bathrooms, and off to the side are the bays. Each bay holds about seven beds. Each bed is separated by basically stall walls like you would see in a public bathroom. Also to note, I had been there for about a week when my grandmother then passed away. This is important, I promise. About three weeks after my grandma passed, I was in the last bay down the hall in the first bed, which meant that I could see out of the window of the emergency exit door in the hall. I had been feeling really off that day and was just lying in bed after lights out. I had to go to the bathroom, so I got up and headed down the hall, the whole time feeling the urge to run, like something was about to grab me. 
I'm sitting in the stall doing my business and I keep seeing a shadow pass by through the cracks. I come out and there's nothing. At this point, I'm freaking out, so I run back to my bed like the perpetual five-year-old that I am. I got this feeling to look out of the emergency exit door's window. Mind you, it's storming outside, but I saw a shadowy figure with its head cocked to the side, staring at me. I immediately hid under my covers. I stayed there for a minute before peeking out, and then it was gone. Or so I thought. To my absolute horror, it is now inside my bay on top of one of the bed dividers with its head still turned to the side. Even though I could see no facial features, I knew it was smiling. It was solid black, and its arms were long. To my absolute horror, it was now inside of my bay, on top of one of the bed dividers, with its head still turned to the side. Even though I could see no facial features, I knew it was smiling. It was solid black, and its arms were long. They hung down almost to the ground, and it didn't have hands. It's like the arms just rounded out, the legs the same. Its head was like an oval opening into an endless void. I squeaked out a once-in-a-lifetime sound, quickly returned to the safety of my blanket with my eyes squeezed shut, and honestly, this is the part of the story that really blows my mind. My grandma grabs what I can only guess is my astral body by the scruff of my neck and drags me up into the sky with her where she promptly plops me down onto a cloud and scolds me in only a way grandmas can. I don't remember what was said, but the next thing I know, it's morning, and I never saw that thing again. This happened a few days after moving into a new house. I was seven years old at the time, and since my family hadn't finished setting up the bedrooms, we all agreed to sleep on the living room floor in the meantime. My parents and my little sister slept on a bigger mattress, while we slept on a much smaller one, which was right next to a window. Although I had already loved horror movies at that age, Obviously, that did wonders for my imagination. I always thought of looking up to the window and seeing a creepy face staring back at me. There was also a clock right above it that would tick loudly during the eerily quiet nights. Since I was a scared little kid who was still adjusting to a new house, I usually had a hard time falling asleep, and I would wake up at random hours in the night. When I would wake up at 5 or 6 a.m., at first, I didn't mind, since that meant that I had a chance to watch cartoons before preparing for school. But then I started waking up at 2 or 3 a.m. I hated it, and I'd get confused as to why I would wake up when it was so quiet in the night and there were no noises to wake me up. Well, except for that ticking clock. I would get scared because I always thought of those movies where the clock would strike midnight, meaning that it was the witching hour. But in order to check the time, 
I had to look up at the window to see the clock. That night was no different. I would wake up and check the time and then go back to sleep if it was too early. But after checking the clock, I decided to shift in my position, so I sat up a little and faced the living room. Next to the living room is a small hallway, which leads into the kitchen. And from my position, I had a very good view of it. As I sat up, I happened to glance at the dark kitchen, and that's when I saw it. Next to the table was a silhouette of a child. I assumed that it was a child since it looked so short, and its head was only about a few inches taller than the table. I blinked, and it was still there. So I panicked and I hid underneath the blanket. My heart was beating so loud, it almost resonated with the loud ticking of the clock. I didn't move a muscle, and I tried not to breathe too loud. Eventually, I fell asleep and told my parents what happened the next day. Obviously, they didn't believe me, and we continued to move in. Fast forward a few weeks later, and we're all sleeping in the upstairs bedroom. I wake up to the sound of my sister crying and being comforted by my dad. I asked what was wrong, and she said that she saw a little girl standing on the balcony. There was a curtain that covered it, but since the wind was a bit strong, the curtains would move a little. So yeah, we forgot about that too. Then several months later, me and my sister are sleeping in another room. I woke up, but this time, I didn't know what time it was, since I didn't have a clock in the room at the same time. So, I was just waiting for sleep to take me again, when I started smelling candles. I thought it was odd since we only used candles during blackouts. I was creeped out, but it smelled nice, so I just fell asleep. If I slept beside her that night, I said no, and she told me that she woke up and felt like someone was breathing down her neck. This scared both of us because her bed is right next to two big closets. We both agreed to switch beds and tie up the knobs on our closet doors before going to sleep. Flash forward, me and my sister decide to sleep in our parents' room since they were both working late. While my dad is picking up my mom from work, he receives a text from an unknown number saying, Don't forget to check on your kids. Needless to say, he was scared, and as soon as he reached home, he checked in our room. He was panicked when he saw our empty beds. He looked around and checked his bedroom and was relieved to see us sleeping on his bed. Right after that, he noticed that the closet door in our room was ajar. I didn't tie it shut that night since my sister and I weren't sleeping there. He didn't actually tell us about this experience until after a few years. Needless to say, we were spooked, but so far, nothing weird has happened since then, and hopefully, it will stay that way.
I have had many stories, but for now I'll only go into detail about the one that has freaked me out the most. I'm sorry if this is a tad long, but I need to set it up so that everything makes sense. I hope it's not too all over the place. Back in 1993, I lived in a small town in West Virginia. I was 17 years old and had recently moved in with my boyfriend, Jamie. He lived with his dad, Senior, his brother, Junior, and his sister, Tess. They lived in a two-story house that also had a basement. The house had a side porch that was turned into a small beauty shop for their mom so she could work from home. But once Jamie's mom and dad divorced, Senior turned the beauty shop into his bedroom. The basement was Junior's bedroom. The bedroom on the first floor was Tess's room. The upstairs had two bedrooms. One was at the very top of the stairs, which belonged to me and Jamie. The other, spare bedroom, was directly to the right of the stairs. Senior had told us many times that his house was haunted and he thought it was his dead sister that was haunting the place. He said there were times when he'd get out of the shower that his clothes would be laid out for him. Also, on a number of occasions, we would hear stairs creaking, doors opening and closing, but then we wouldn't see anyone. One night, my sister and her boyfriend spent the night in the spare bedroom, and her boyfriend woke us up at around 1am yelling, Jamie, stop it! I yelled back and said, Jamie is in bed next to me. Her boyfriend told us the next morning that someone was at their bed, yanking at the blankets, and then sat at the foot of the bed. He thought Jamie was messing with them, but no one was there. And no one went through our room and down the stairs after he had yelled at Jamie to stop. So now that you have a little backstory, I'll tell you my story. I would stay up late with Tess, Jamie's sister, during the summer months playing cards. We would sit on her big California king-sized bed and talk for hours. Usually, after midnight, I would head upstairs to go to bed with Jamie until his alarm went off for work. Once his alarm went off, I would go downstairs and climb into bed with Tess. I don't know why I started doing this, but it became a habit and I did this every day, Monday through Friday. One thing I should mention, Tess's room has two entryways. One was at the foot of the stairs, the stairs went up to our bedroom, and the other was right off the kitchen. The kitchen entry into her room didn't have a door that opened and closed, it only had a curtain hanging for privacy. Jamie would go into the kitchen, turn the light on, pack his lunch, and then come into the bedroom to give me a kiss goodbye. He would leave the kitchen light on when he came into Tess's room, so he had some ambient light to be able to walk around without tripping over anything, and to be able to see me when I raised my arm. I would raise up my arm to show him which side of the bed I was on, so he wouldn't accidentally kiss his sister goodbye. So this morning was just like any other. He came into the room, I raised up my hand to show him where I was, he came over and kissed me goodbye, then went off to work. I woke up at around 9.30 that morning and saw Tess standing at the foot of the bed. Her side of the bed was already made and she was folding clothes. I said, Tess, what the heck? You could have woken me up and asked me to move so you could make your entire bed instead of just your side. Tess gave me a very confused look and said, 
I didn't sleep in my bed last night. When you went upstairs, I climbed into bed with dad because I felt spooked. I was now in total shock. I know for a fact that someone else was in that bed. If there hadn't been anyone besides me in it, then I wouldn't have had to raise my hand to show Jamie which lump under the covers was me. If there hadn't been anyone else besides me in it, then I wouldn't have had to raise my hand to show Jamie which lump under the covers was me. Junior didn't even stay there that night. He was at his girlfriend's house. To this day, I have no idea who or what I slept with, but someone or something was there. Jamie and I got married, had kids, and then divorced many years ago, but every once in a while he'll say, hey, tell so-and-so about the time you slept with a ghost. All four of us who were in the house that day believe that it probably was a ghost. I'm 46 now and still recall that moment so vividly. There were lots of other creepy things that happened in that house, but this, to me, was the creepiest. So that was a good episode. I enjoyed all of these stories, but we've got another short one for you here in the outro. Brandon, take it away. Yeah, this story is submitted by Viv Dalton on behalf of her father, Charlie. The story goes, I had not seen my parents in nearly two years. Winter break of 1980 gave me the time to make the journey from college in Illinois back to Maryland where my parents lived. After family greetings, I planned my holiday schedule, which, of course, involved girls. Date night went well, so it was late when I returned to my parents' house. I wasn't sleepy yet, so I filled the wood stove and sat in a chair near the bottom of the staircase. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed someone at the top of the stairs. I assumed it was Mom, checking on the noises I had made when filling the wood stove. The person at the top of the stairs descended slowly to within 10 feet of me. I looked up to see a pale-skinned lady with long, straight black hair looking at me with an emotionless face. It was not my mother. She was wearing a brown plaid-style shirt with a wide beaded belt around her waist and a long blue skirt that met her pointed high-laced boots below the knee. She stared at me, eye to eye, for a few seconds, and then returned up the staircase. As she approached the top of the stairs, she slowly faded, until completely disappearing. I sat for a few minutes, taking in the event. I called out, Mom, did you come down here? I didn't get a response. The next day, I told my mother what happened and confirmed that it was not her on the staircase the night before. She asked me to describe, in detail, what the lady I saw was wearing. She listened and then asked me to follow her to the back porch. The back porch was full of furniture and boxes from the estate of a local lady that had died several years earlier. Mom recently purchased the belongings to resell in her antique store. Mom opened one of the boxes and held up a dark blue wool skirt, a brown plaid shirt, and after digging deeper into the box, 
a wide beaded belt and a pair of high-laced pointed toe boots. Was she wearing this? Mom asked. The answer was obvious. I wish I could have kept those articles of clothing. Well, maybe not. Yeah, now this is what scares me about this story. Haunted houses are one thing, but when you bring something home from somebody else that's deceased, that's really scary. It's like going to a thrift store and bringing home, like, a haunted box of cards or a haunted t-shirt. You're wearing the haunted t-shirt around and, and you're walking around with the ghost. You know what I mean? It's so much scarier than a haunted house to me personally. Exactly, because with a haunted house, I feel like it's confined to the house itself. That's not always the case. You know, we've heard stories of entities following people outside of their elements, so to speak. But you're right, with these items, the spirits seem to attach themselves to said items. And you you don't really know what you're going to get. I don't want to use the box of chocolates analogy, but in some cases it seems to ring true. Well, at least they brought home a box of clothes and not a fucking haunted gun. (laughs) A haunted gun. Okay. Trigger warning. Get it? Get it? Stupid. (laughs) I know. I know. But no, it actually kind of reminds me of the one time I I went to the Goodwill and uh, I actually brought home a Stone Cold Steve Austin doll. Nice find. Coincident. Thank you. No, it was great. I still have that thing. And uh, coincidence or not, I was able to beat the shit out of my dad. I got, I did the Stone Cold Stunner. I cracked a beer over his head, and I just like beat the shit out of him. I was 12 years old and having the time of my life. There's, there's a moment uh, in your life where your dad realizes you might be able to kick his ass, and the dynamic changes. This happens in the oh, life of yeah. every father-son relationship. <laughs> and they don't want to admit, don't it, want to admit it It's so funny. I had to be the one to say it, and he just kind of got quiet and awkward, you know? <laughs> you know? Well, he was on the floor bleeding and crying. (laughs) (laughs) Son, you drank my last Coors Light. Yeah, this reminds me of the, obviously, the haunted doll thing. Um, Oh, boy, Debbie. Yeah, I was on the fence about Debbie, but I missed that one. But there's plenty out there. I just got to find the right one. Um, But, you know, we did take a poll. We did, yeah. The results are in. They've been in for quite some time. So here's the delayed results. The majority of you all voted yes to get the doll. So I think we're kind of obligated to go ahead and get a haunted doll. So we're obligated to do it, but I have to hide it from my wife. She cannot know that I have a haunted doll in my house. One of her biggest fears is like dolls. Like that scares the shit out of her, which I understand. Like I'm scared of clowns. It's one of those typical unconventional scary Okay, I want to ask about that because I was talking to somebody else who, when they said that they're they claim to be neutral about clowns, but I feel like clowns are like a, a love it or hate it thing. Like, do you like them in, in like the idea that they're creepy and weird or do you legitimately just like dislike them in like all sort of aspects or all sort of contexts? I like them in horror contexts, like Terrifier. I, I told you about that movie. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite movies just because I think clowns are so scary. I, Terrifier was good, yeah, yeah. I don't like clowns at all because they are scary, but I like them in horror movies because that actually scares me. And not a lot of things scare me in horror movies. Yeah, we're pretty desensitized. I kind of feel like clowns, because they've been around for so long, like gest- jesters, clowns, that whole idea of the uh, the painted face fool type character where it's these exaggerated human features Mm -hmm. i have a theory i have nothing to back this up no reason to believe this but i have a theory that that's a that the clown 
is a creature or a, a being rather from another dimension that people see when they do psychedelics or that something something where they're having a, a like an experience like a psychedelic type of experience and I, it's right. kind of like the machine elves that people talk about when they do dmt oh yeah so i've heard i kind of feel like clowns are a being from another dimension that you can only see in that altered state and that's why they scare a lot of people so bad because we have that innate fear like ingrained in our dna that i think they're bad i think clowns are bad I, I just think they're evil. I'm sorry. If you're a clown and you're a fan of the podcast, I apologize, but you're not it's not cool, dude. You gotta you gotta give it up. That's all. As a as somebody with a clown tattoo, <laughs> yeah, I know, um, I know. <laughs> allow me to chime in <laughs> real know, quick here. <laughs> in defense of all the uh, clowns out there. Uh no, but I know I do know that the uh, the makeup is done intentionally to kind of like give the illusion of well it's not really an illusion because it's really there, but the distortions of the face, it looks it looks right, but it's off just enough to make you unsettled. And that's why I like them. They're just creepy. Like they have this expression on their faces that just, they look happy and animated. And sad at the same time. Happy and sad at the same time. That's why my clown, like he's, it's a clown, but he has a tear running down his face. Like clowns are supposed to be happy and joy. I just like the, uh, the juxtaposition between happy, happiness and sadness with clowns. And yeah, they're a little unsettling and. Um, in the Pee-wee scene, you know, when no, Pee-wee goes like to it. hell and Francis, like no, you don't like that scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Mm-mm. I mean, I like it in the sense that it scares me, but it, scare, it like actually oh. scares me. And that's why I, I quote unquote don't like it. But I do like it because I like to get scared. It's so hard to scare me. Um, but this, and I have to, I'm sorry, we're going long winded with this outro, but I have to bring this up. I just went and saw the Doctor Strange sequel with, uh, with our mutual friend, Kevin. And on our way out, uh, we were talking about things that scare us and things that were kind of unreasonable that scare us. And my thing was rotoscope animation scares me so bad. It invokes this weird revolt inside of me. I, I don't know how to explain it. I remember when I was a kid, my dad brought home um, uh, one of uh, the, I forget the guy's name who does, who did the animation for like the Superman cartoons, like the early ones, like a lot of rotoscoping stuff. He did a movie, Gulliver's Travels. It was like an animated movie from probably the thirties or forties. And they used a lot of rotoscoping in it. And I, I was like six or seven and we watched it at my grandparents' house and I started bawling. I started screaming and bawling because it scared me so bad. But it's like this kid's movie, like this animated kid's movie. And What was on the screen at the time when you started bawling? It was just the rotoscoping animation of Gulliver, the guy, because they use like, they huh. like, you know, the rotoscoping is where the process where they draw over a human acting right. in film. Yeah. And it just, it looks so lifelike and so uncanny valley-ish that it's invoked that fear in me that people feel when they see clowns or when they see dolls, which is how we got on this tangent. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't, I didn't know why Gulliver's Travels scared me so bad. And then when I would watch like the Superman cartoon on VHS and stuff, that would scare me. Um, And yeah, I didn't find out until the internet that the uncanny valley was a thing and that a lot of people have this weird revolting reaction to rotoscope animation that that shit scares me so bad i can't watch a scanner darkly it freaks me out wow yeah i just can't handle that shit man Hmm. it's weird that is weird anyway 
Thanks, anyway. <laughs> Thanks everybody, for listening. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. This week you have heard Three Ghosts, One Cinema by Iced Capstan, My Ex's Apartment by Rylan, An Untitled Story by Taylor, A Kid's Silhouette by Gracie, and finally, My Story by Nicole. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Don't forget, if you have a story, send it to us at stories at oddtrails.com. And if you want to get access to the ad-free version of this week's episode at a higher quality bitrate along with other bonus content, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. We'll see you guys next week for a brand new episode. Stay safe. Peace out. Peace out.